Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of The Front Office, brought to you by Royal Farms, home of the world's greatest chicken and the area's best-tasting coffee. I'm Tony Lombardi, and today I'm joined, as always, by Brian McFarlane from Rough Street Report. Brian, the combine is upon us, and soon, so too, will be the new league year. Yeah, two weeks from right about now. Um, now, obviously, with the open tampering window, legal tampering window, from Monday to Wednesday, uh, um, a lot of things we'll already know about before the league year starts. Uh, but this will be the point where they'll start, um, you know, some decisions will have to be made on uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Ronnie Stanley, perhaps, uh, with them both having deadlines. Beckham's deadline would be a week from tomorrow at four. Um, and uh, that that's whether they, they, they could use the post-June 1 release to cut him. And Stanley has a uh, $4 million roster bonus due uh, the fifth day of the league year. So the, uh, the, the four, uh, 17th, yeah, 17th. So they'll have to make a decision, you know, uh, before then whether they're keeping, because they're not going to pay that and then cut him later. So, um, so we'll obviously a lot of these things we'll probably hear about before then. But uh, yeah, two weeks away. Yeah, I want to circle back around with the Ronnie Stanley topic. But, you know, you mentioned the legal tampering and, you know, all these executives and agents and free agents are all, you know, converging on Indianapolis at this time of year. And, you know, there's discussions going on and whether they call it tampering or not, they are lining up some things before this new league year begins. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what the combine is all about. Um, yeah. So um, then because there was a there was a theory that that I read that doesn't seem to really hold true. But I thought it was interesting that if you, you were getting nowhere with your free agent or you were just planning on having around on the tag for for one year, um, that you would tag him before the combine, because at the combine, everybody starts talking and, uh, you know, then. Uh, his true on the market number um, can hinder your negotiations while the players on the tag or before you actually use the tag. Um, so if, if, you know, the player's agent at the combine, hears something that blows your offer out of the water and you thought you were close, then you're not close anymore. Um, so, but that doesn't, that hasn't been the history. History is usually teams wait till, you know, the last couple of days before the deadline to use the tag. So, uh, but I thought that was an interesting, um, you know, theory, and it definitely goes to the fact that, um, you know, that there is going to be a lot of talking going on this week. Yeah, when you think about that, you have to wonder, you know, how does that really play out? Because let's say that you are close. Let's say, for instance, the, the Ravens and, and Justin Matabike. Let's say they're getting close. What if you're that Matabike's agent? Why would you not just wait until? he can entertain market value unless he just is so enamored with Baltimore that he's just going to sign, you know, at a number that he likes without really understanding what his market value might be. Why would you even consider doing that unless the Ravens just step up with an offer where they just overpay so much? And that really hasn't been their history. No, I mean, I think it's kind of twofold, actually. One is, I'm sure that has already been said, uh, assuming they are going to use the tag, is that we want to get a deal done with you. Let's let's come to an agreeable number. But we want you to know that if we don't, we are before the deadline, we are going to tag you. So it gives the player and the agent the idea that you're going to be here next year. So, you you know, so let's get a deal done. Uh, that works for both of us, because, you know, that gives the player that long term uh, you know, stability as opposed to just the one-year deal. Now, with Matt Vike, one year at $22 million is about uh, it's over four times that he's made in his career already. So, um, you know, there is something to be said for, and players seemingly the last couple of years have been willing to play that play on that one year uh, as opposed to reaching a, a contract. So I think that's part of it is that, that the, the, agent, the agent player know that the Ravens have the tag in their back pocket. And then the second part of that is nobody's going to give up two first round picks for, for Matabike. So, um, so really he won't really hit the market per se, because agents aren't good. I mean, 
teams aren't going to waste their time talking to Matabike's agent about Matabike because there's not, you know, there's there's no way they're giving up two first round picks. Only perhaps at the point if the Ravens said, go, you know, we're giving you permission to go, uh, you know, seek out a uh, tag and trade scenario. Then maybe a may then maybe teams would start talking to his agent, but until that, until um, hopefully it never gets to that point. But until it gets to that point in a negotiation, I don't think teams are going to waste their time unless they think there's a chance the Ravens aren't going to tag him, or they're just going to float and honestly, you know, gamesmanship. They're going to float this huge offer to Madubike's agent, just try to to try to derail the Ravens. Right, we're recording this on Wednesday. We'll drop this on Thursday. But yesterday, during the press conference, both Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh spoke to the media. And addressing Matabike, Eric DaCosta said, and I quote, we're trying to get a deal done. We've had discussions discussions with Justin. He's a guy that obviously has put himself in a fortuitous position this year by the way that he played. He had a great season for us. He's a valued player on the team. And we're hopeful that we can get a long-term deal done. And then further on in the press conference, the way his segment of the press conference wrapped up, Eric DeCoste was asked if he would use the, the franchise tag on Matabike if he couldn't get a long-term deal done. And he said very promptly, I probably will, yes. And that was the end of the presser. So that's a message out there to, if they don't know it already, to Matabike and his agent, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, to me, that's not a great surprise. And I think the, you know, this increase in the cap that you know we're, we're we weren't really expecting. I was using two forty five as my number. A lot of people were using two forty two, two forty three. Um, nobody was expecting it to get anywhere uh, two fifty five plus. So, I mean, that goes a long way. I mean, every team has more money now to spend on free agents, certainly. But for the Ravens, there's a huge benefit there of if they and I don't you know, we don't know what they were projecting. But if they were if their number, if they were using 245 like I was, just for instance, you know, now there's there's, a you know, 11, almost 11 million more than they were expecting, which means they might not have to cut somebody. They might not have to ask this player for a a pay cut. They might not have to restructure. Uh, you know, they might have been planning to restructure four guys. Now they only have to restructure three guys. So that's a huge, uh, huge advantage for the Ravens, even though yeah, I realize that, you know, every team has the same increase in cap space. But when you're tight against the cap and you have that tag out there that you need to use, that that's just, you know, now they only have to, you know, they can honestly, they can they if, to be under the league year uh, next week or in two weeks. All they need to do is restructure Lamar, and they're they're there with the, the tag amount. Um, not that they don't need more than that to to do other business, but uh, you know it's certainly a big advantage to them, and it certainly worked out. And if there was a question whether they were going to tag him or not, I think that probably answered it because now they don't have to go uh, super crazy to get to that point. It's interesting you brought up Lamar because I saw some posts on social media speaking about Lamar willing to uh, restructure his contract to enable the Ravens to keep or sign new players. And knowing what I know about the cap because of being exposed to you, I had to chuckle at that. It, they made it sound like Lamar was doing the world a favor by doing that. Yeah, there's there's always been that misconception out there. Um, when a player restructures, all he is doing is turning – his some of his base salary into bonus money um, and getting paid sooner. Um, so it's just an accounting trick, so to speak. He's not getting any extra money. And in fact, I, I don't know for a fact for his contract, but most contracts the Ravens have done over the last few years are uh, more than the last few have an automatic, give them an automatic right to restructure. So they don't need even need since there's no extra money or, or no money taken away. They don't need the player's approval. Um, if you remember back, oof, um, the Eugene Monroe years, it was I'm trying to was that in the uh, mid mid two thousands, I guess, or late two thousands. Um, Eugene he was a guy. I'm thinking two thousand fifteen ish, something like that. Was it that? Was that recent? So he was he right before they drafted Stanley? So okay, yeah, I think it so, was. Yeah, okay, that's right. One year before right. that. 
Yeah. So I think that's right. So uh, um, he um, they didn't have that mechanism in their contracts then. And for whatever reason, he refused a restructure. And I'm trying to think they then they end up restructuring a guy was more on the end of his contract. And he didn't allow that guy didn't last. So they got hit with more dead money than they would. Now, granted, Eugene Monroe didn't last either. So maybe he did them a favor. Um, but yeah, so that's something they have automatically in most of their contract. I probably all of them. But again, yeah, as you said, you do chuckle because there's no there's no money lost. And then you got the people acting like I'm sure he won't do it or things like that. And it's like, OK, well, there's no reason for him not to unless you're kind of a strange guy like like Eugene Monroe was. You know, I you made me think of Eugene Monroe and I wonder how his his weed business is doing. For you. <laughs> Remember. He was on the cutting edge of that. And, oh, he was. He was. He, he, yeah. Getting out there in the CBD world, and and now it's just exploded. So hopefully he's done okay in that business. Yeah, hopefully he really did follow through with it. But, yeah, he was a big proponent that, that marijuana was, uh, you know, really helpful for the aches and pains of a football player. So, anyway, in this edition of Front Office, I wanted to address some wild rumors that we've seen floating around on Twitter but before we get there, I wanted to get your takes, Brian, and I'll share mine on a few other things that Eric DaCosta shared during the media or with the media at the Combine. And right out of the gate, Eric was asked about Zay Flowers, to which he succinctly stated, I think we've made a statement on that. We're aware of the situation. Obviously, domestic violence is something that we're deeply concerned about and will continue to assess the situation as it unfolds. What was your immediate reaction to, to hearing that? Oh, I mean, it didn't. I mean, that's pretty much what a team is going to say um, since the NF, you know, and they would probably say exactly the same thing if the criminal investigation was still open. But it's a little easier to say uh, when it's been, you know, um, um, suspended or whatever the other two words. There, there, were two, there were a couple of words that were used for it. Uh, you know, it is you know, the NFL still may come in and suspend him. Um, that will put a bit of onus on the Ravens to what will they do? Um, obviously, the NFL just suspends him. They don't go into the details of what they found. Um, but I mean, you know, since the Ray Rice thing, Jimmy Smith was suspended uh, for a couple games the beginning of one season, if I remember correctly. And that was domestic violence related as well. And they obviously didn't do anything about it, but I mean, the Ravens, you know, from a cap perspective, uh, there's a lot of dead money if they were to, you know, now, because that thankfully, well, thankfully for them, I guess, let me put it that way. They didn't get, um, put into this spot, but if he was charged, the, you know, the league doesn't generally suspend players, um, till after there's a you know the case is resolved so in that case they you know if they released them immediately i mean they would be they'd have like 11 million in dead money almost 11 and a half against the cap because his contract is fully guaranteed now if he's suspended all the future guarantees go away and that number would be more like um 5.5 million which uh you know so there's a big difference there uh, and it puts teams in a bind, to be honest with you, um, because they even when they want to do the right thing, if it crushes their cap, is it you know? <laughs> so that's something that they would it, you know if if he does get suspended, because the NFL certainly has shown that they can will suspend players even though uh, charges were dropped. Um, you know, then you know that that would you know help the Ravens out if they you know some something comes up that shows that. Uh, you know, that, that they reopen the case or more evidence comes up that shows that this was more serious than, you know, than what we know. Um, but that's something, you know, it, it does put teams in a bind. If a team suspends them themselves, they generally can't void that money. Um, well, we saw they were able to, well, they, they settled with Earl Thomas. They were going, they tried to. Um, but if you, you suspend him before, legal proceed if he's charged and you suspend him before legal proceedings are um are finalized and then he's you know he he wins in court uh then you know then then he's got every right to every dollar that you withheld from him because he wasn't you you suspended him for in theory no no criminal you know no criminal conviction or anything like that so those are those are tough spots that put it puts a team in 
So it doesn't surprise I mean, they're probably going to answer that same question until they feel that the NFL, you know, I don't think the NFL will ever announce that they're not going to suspend. Sometimes it gets leaked to the press. But until that time, I think you're going to hear every time DaCosta or Harbaugh's asked that question, it's going to be the same answer. Yeah, I just think that that's there. As you said, it's a standard answer that basically says we're, we've done all we can up to this point and, and we'll just go along as more information unfolds. And But I, I guess the unsettling thing for me in that is that this really isn't put to, hasn't been put to bed yet. There's still some noise that's going to come from the Zay Flowers situation. I want to move on. Oh, to- yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, in the NFL, who knows how long it will take them to look into it. I mean, seemingly it, it would be by the end of – uh, training camp so that if he is going to be suspended, they would be the start of the year. Um, seems like the right way to resolve it, but obviously, you know, these things take time. And if they're trying to get in touch with this person or that person, or somebody's not answering calls or returning calls or whatever, you know, who knows how long it could drag out. And we'll probably never hear publicly the their true feelings on all of this, but these kinds of things tend to influence personnel decisions, you know, and how they spend their money, how they use their draft capital, because if they have to anticipate that Zay Flowers could be suspended a little bit, does that impact what they do in the draft? Does it alter how they view the right player, right price when applied to someone like OBJ? So all these things come into play because of an unresolved situation like this that unfortunately is something the Ravens are going to have to deal with. And another thing we're going to have to deal with coming in the not-too-distant future is, I believe it's in May, when they have to make a decision on fifth-year options, and they've got two players, one of which is Odafe Owe and Rashad Bateman. And during the pressure, they talked a lot about Bateman. Even when they weren't even asked about Bateman, they were asked about other players like Flowers and OBJ. They answered with with, uh, a response that included much ado about uh, Rashad Bateman. So the question with Odafe is the fifth year option. We've talked about this before, Brian. You felt, and I agree with you, that the fifth year option is more likely to be exercised with him than it is Bateman. And, and Eric DaCosta went on during that pressure yesterday about how he views Odafe is coming along. He still referred to him as a project or a prospect, which I thought was interesting. But he's a guy that they were proud that he was able to get and create as many pressures as he did, even though the sack numbers weren't there. Do you still believe that Owe is more likely than Bateman to get that fifth-year fifth option? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any question. It's, it's a little cheaper. It's a, about a million cheaper for one. Um, obviously, the Flowers situation does – create a little, uh, I mean, if, if this Flowers thing wasn't going on, I would think even more that they weren't going to um, use the uh, the option on Bateman. But because it's almost almost $14.4 million, um, that's a lot for a guy who is really not produced at this point. Um, so uh, my guess is they will kind of what, you know, just like they did with Patrick Queen and say, you know, this is too rich for our blood to, blood at this point uh you know we want to see you ball out in next year and if you do whether it's here or elsewhere you're going to get paid handsomely and obviously queen you know some players will pout queen didn't uh you know queen took it as a challenge and seemingly made himself you know millions and millions of dollars uh that on when you know when the market opens so um hopefully bateman will do that i mean obviously we've seen all the articles and all the stats on him being open and for whatever reason, he and Lamar just not being on the same page. I mean, you know, so who knows if that will change or if it's going to be that way. And then next year or after next year, he goes somewhere else and uh, you know, uh, catches fire with whoever his quarterback is. But yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, the increase in cap, the increase in those numbers, um, you know, now the teams have a better way of knowing what next year's cap's going to be, uh, you know, if it's set to go up another thirty million like it did this year, then maybe you can afford those two, uh, the those two um, 
fifth year options. But I, and that certainly, if it, if they expect that, I certainly think that solidifies Oway without, without question. And I think he's, it's pretty solid already. Uh, but maybe that does allow them the biggest problem with is it's fully guaranteed. So, you know, if, if he has a terrible year, you can't trade him and you can't cut him. So are you, well, you can cut him, but you're, you're still eating the 14 million. Um, so that's the biggest, that's the, the biggest, um, you know, cautionary part of it for a team is, well, you know, if, if next, if this next coming season looks just like last year, we're not going to want to pay them 14 million and 25, but we're going to be stuck with it. That fifth year option has been implemented. How long ago was that? Uh, that was with the CBA of 2020. Or did that go back to the prior one? That went back to the prior one. So that, that that's all the way back to 2011. Oh, it has been that long. Okay. I, I just wonder if anybody's ever really taken a hard look at that and 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 come to the conclusion that before when five years, you, you had a, a, a first-round pick locked up for five years, if that played out better for the team or if this new fifth-year option has played out better for the teams or for the individual players. Well, I mean, I guess it's played out. I would think it's probably played out better for the teams in that, you know, the, the especially the t- teams that draft all the way at the top because those contracts, I mean, those some of those players were getting thirty million guaranteed right off the bat, um, without ever playing a down, and and sometimes some of the quarterback contracts were even bigger than that. So the the cost is um, is suppressed over those first four years. The players get a chance if they perform to you know to. Um, to you know to to uh you know make up some of that difference uh you know michael parsons for instance because he's been to more than one pro bowl his his number is uh over 21 million so it's basically the franchise tag amount um so you know so for those players you know and of course it benefits the team in a way too because they even though that's a big number they still paid less over the first four years of the deal so um it probably works out I, you know, it's probably no harm, no foul when you got a player like um, like Bateman who doesn't turn out. Or I think the first one they had goes all the way back to um, uh, um, can't remember his first name. Elam drafted right after the Super Matt Bowl. Elam, yeah. Matt Elam. Right. He was the, he was I think he was I think that was the first class um, that had the fifth year option. Of course, they declined it. Um, so, you know, so what, in a way it can let you get out and get you, you don't have to pay a fifth year, uh, if you, if you can get out of it a little earlier. So that certainly benefits a team. You tried to forget his name, but you couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> the position of running back came up during the press conference yesterday and, and both Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh addressed the Ravens running back situation. And here's what Eric DaCosta had to say. So we need more than two running backs. So certainly I think you'll see us make a couple acquisitions along the way. We think Keaton Mitchell's going to come back from his knee injury. Justice is a player last year who was probably one of the unsung heroes of our whole team. I would say we're still talking to Gus. We're still talking. To, we'll, we'll talk to JK, a couple of free agents that we had. We're hopeful that we can get something done with those guys. We've looked at the draft class. It's probably not as deep as some other positions that we'll see in this year's draft. So saying right there, they're going to bring in two guys mentions Gus and JK. I don't see how JK Dobbins comes back. I just think that's a guy who needs a change of scenery. And, and with Gus Edwards, Brian, you know, here's a guy who had the, one of the um, avoidable options. If they were really that interested in him, they could have done something before last week when they had to make a decision on that voidable option. Your thoughts on both of those guys? Yeah, well, the way he worded it, we're, we're still talking to Gus, which means they've been talking to him. So that sounds like to me they tried to get something done before uh, last Monday's uh, void deadline. So and obviously, you know, when players get this close, uh, you know, maybe there's different things, you know, maybe Gus is interested to see what's out there as far as money or opportunity for an opportunity, but they haven't closed the door on coming back to the Ravens. Um, they just want to see what the market is like. And when players get to be, you know, a couple of weeks before free agency, 
you know, why, why buy, you know, why not wait and see what the market, you know, there could be that team out there that'll blow you away. And certainly this week, Gus's um, agent might be able to find some of that information out. So, um, so, you know, like I said, as I said before, the, the void years, um, in a way, make it harder to retain the player, but uh, none of the void years, um, save maybe Zeitler's. I mean, that was the bad one, so to speak. But I mean, Gus was, I think, 1.8 mil in dead money. So it's not the end of the world if they re-sign him. Um, you'd rather it be, you know, you'd rather it be the le- the just the quarter of that uh, hitting the cap with the void years staying in place over the next four years. But I don't think it's the end of the world there. I, I do agree with you on on Dobbins. I just feel like, as you said, he probably needs a, uh, you know, a change of scenery. I mean, these last couple of years that just have been, you know, horrible for him. And then, you know, the whole hold in during training camp last year, I have to think that left a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a sour taste of the Ravens. Uh, he had no leverage whatsoever. And given he was coming off of injury, there was no reason for the Ravens, as we saw, he got injured again. There was no reason for the Ravens to extend him then. He needed to have a good year, and unfortunately it didn't. And, you know, you always wonder if him sitting out of camp, was he not, you know, in top, top shape? And that's why he blew it, you know, was it his Achilles or was it a knee again? Or hamstring? I think it was his Achilles. Achilles. Okay. So, you know, uh, you, you know, you'll want, I mean, you have to wonder if, if that would, you know, if he was in camp from the beginning and, you know, and working out and being in true football shape from, you know, four weeks of camp or five weeks or six, whatever it would be by the time the first game happens, maybe that doesn't happen, but I'm mean, that's obviously we don't, we'll never know, but, you know, so I agree. I think he's probably, uh, you know, I think he's probably a guy that, um, He's probably of the two. He's he's definitely, in my opinion, the unless he says I'll come back for a sweetheart deal, my, and I, you know, and and that neither of those may happen until, you know, the second or third week of free agency because I don't think running back, you know, there in the pecking order, they're going to be low on the totem pole um, for teams, uh, you know, look, seeking uh, running backs unless they feel like, you know, they can get a real bar, get those guys for a real bargain instead of going for one of the top guys. And with J.K., when Harbaugh addressed the topic of Dobbins, he said J.K. is floating around out there. So that's yeah. exactly an endorsement of bringing no. Dobbins back. Yeah, we would love to get Gus back, but J.K. is floating around. Yeah, that's not a that's not a ringing endorsement for sure. No. So uh, EDC brought up OBJ, and he said that he's been in communication with him and. His words, we've just texted. OBJ is a great, great guy. I love Odell. He's become a great friend of mine, a friend to the Ravens. And I think we'll just kind of assess and see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Now, as far as Beckham is concerned, in my opinion, you know, we would all agree that his signing had to do with something more than just production on the field. And in that regard, I think it was a successful signing because he brought a calmness and leadership to the locker room that I never thought he had. And certainly being a dad, he's matured as a man. So people, contrary to what some people say, that a leopard can't change his spots, I think that they can if they want to. And I think he's a perfect example of that. So he's matured as a man, as a leader, and brought some things to the team that you can't measure in terms of stats. That said, where do you think – OBJ is going to stand with the Ravens in 2024, if at all. Yeah, I mean, that's a hard one to to measure. A lot of it is, and it's just, it just seems to be the way these things play out. When when a player is taking a what will probably be a massive pay cut, because, he, I mean, he, he was overpaid last year um, for good reason, as you said, and I, I agree with you. I, I think it was worth it for them. Um, and I think it helped get Lamar signed too. So obviously in and of itself, that's a success. Um, but um, yeah, to go from, from, from this team to go from 15 million to six, seven, I don't know, you know, where that ends up eight. I mean, that's, you know, it's half give or take, especially when you consider the incentives he got. So 
it just doesn't seem like players come back to the same team in those circumstances. Now, this one is probably a little more uh, drastic just because the one-year deals, and, and again, he was overpaid last year. Now, they do have to make a decision on him by uh, the second day of the league year because he's due a $50 million salary, a guaranteed salary in 2025 if he's on the roster the second day of the league year. So that's obviously not going to happen. Um, but if they do that, they can use a po- they, they they've set it up that way so they can use a post June one release, um, which allows them to move most of that dead money. It's about eleven million in dead money. They would hit, have three hit this year and then eight next year. So I don't know, but that doesn't really preclude them because he's probably only signing a one year deal anyway. So that really doesn't preclude them from re-signing him afterward. So I have a feeling that's one of those. We have no idea what his market's going to be. Um, it's not like he set the world on fire this year. Um, you know, he's he's over 30 now. Um, so, you know, that might be just another wait and see. And I, who knows if they, you know, if they have, you know, part of plan A and, you know, plan B and plan C or to go maybe get another wide receiver. But if not, then we'll circle back to OBJ. I don't know. The fact that DaCosta said he just texted with him is a little interesting because that would seemingly indicate, uh, you know, at this time of year, I don't know that there's a lot of pleasantries going on, <laughs> you know, just, Hey, how you checking in? Hey, how you doing? Kind of stuff. It's you're, you know, they're busy trying to figure out how, how they're going to use their cap space and who they can sign and where they, you know, who they can't. So uh, that is interesting, but I could have been, I don't know when Beckham's birthday was, or could have been just something, you know, could have been, it's just a family thing as well. Just saying, Hey, it's all this, all that, whatever, you know, happy birthday to your kid or whatever it might be, you know? So, um, so it could be something like that, but, um, you know, so that, so we'll see, but I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a real front burner issue for them. With regard to Ronnie Stanley, you mentioned him earlier in the program that he's got a roster on us that's due I think you said the second day of the league year, which would be what the, the 17th or 16th. Yeah, it's, that's, that's OBJ's. So his is the fifth day. So he can't be on the roster on the fifth day, which, which means he has to be released before four o'clock on the, the fourth day, essentially. So that's technically it's four o'clock on the 17th uh, because the fifth day, the, the fifth day of the league year starts at four. I know kind of crazy, but starts at four o'clock on the fourth day if that makes any sense. So he's, he, something will, if they're, if they're going to, um, if they're going to release him, something has to happen before then. Okay. So if, if they don't release him that fourth day, that four o'clock the fourth day after, what's the number that hits the Ravens books? Four and well, he get he get the number we're already counting is dead money, but that, 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 um, fully guarantees he gets paid his four million dollar roster bonus. Okay. So if you cut him after that, that's four million. So if you so right now, if they cut him with a post June one release, if they cut him before that date, it's fifteen million in saved in saved money, saved cap. If they release him after that, it's eleven because they paid him the four million. Right. Okay. Okay. So. What do you think about Ronnie Stan? Do you, do you think it's one year too early to let him go, or I, I, it's really hard to? I mean, he's he's certainly not performing to the level of his contract, but then you have to worry about what kind of quality player you're going to get to replace him. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest issue. If there was an heir apparent um, in place, then I, I think it would be easier to let him go. Uh, my my guess would be that they will or, or have approached him to take a pay cut. And, I, you know, players don't often take pay cuts, but he, nobody's giving him $15 million in cash next year. Nobody's probably giving him $10 million in cash. He's getting, if, he, if they do cut him, he's going to have to go sign somewhere, probably for a one-year deal to prove he can stay healthy. And I'm not sure he gets $10 million. So can the Ravens go to him and say, you know, we want to shave $5 million off. We'll craft some incentives so you can earn it back if you play all your games and reach certain snap numbers or, you know, those kinds of things. So that, you know, I mean, they've done that obviously with a lot of players recently. Um, so I, I think that's probably 
what is happened or is happening now, um, because the, the threat of cutting him is certainly there. They can use the post June one release and, uh, you know, they can spread the dead money out. I believe that leaves uh, about six or eight million on, on the cap next year on 20 on the 2025 cap. But they get again, they get 15 million this year, which is you now that they, they won't have that till June one. But that's, uh, you know, when we talk about, we, you know, sometimes and I'm probably part of the reason for this, but we talk about dead money a lot. But a lot of the issues there are. 15 is he worth 15 million in cash and i would say uh, you know unfortunately based on what's happened over the last couple of years he's not you know um so that's something that um you know if they can get him for a lesser dollar amount then uh, i think that would work out for both sides to be honest with you yeah so there's 17 million in dead money out there right now for him if they if they cut him uh post june 1 um, then only um, 11 million of it counts this year and a little almost seven would count next year. So, um, you know, so that's, uh, you know, that's that's probably the more likely scenario if they cut him outright. Um, then they take the 17, almost 18 million in dead money this year. There's still eight million saved. Um, so if they, you know, depends on whether they want to protect this cap or that cap, this year's cap or next year's, my guess is they would do the post June one. Um, so that's, that's why, so that's why players, you know, later in their contracts have these signing, these, these, uh, these roster bonuses instead of salary, because it forces the team to make a decision sooner as opposed to, well, we'll wait till after the draft. And if we get a, you know, if we get a left tackle in the first round, We'll cut Ronnie and get our 15 million immediately. Uh, and, you know, in the first week of May and then for Ronnie, he's out of luck, you know, because the the free agent market is pretty much done at that point. So that's why you'll see a lot of players contracts have these roster bonuses due within the first couple days of the league year. So the teams can use the post June one release if they need to, but also forces them to make a decision by that date while the free agent money is still flush. And the agents will have successfully earned their fee for including things like that in their contracts. Yes, yes. So I wanted to get to some of the wild rumors floating about, but before I do, I want to remind our listeners that the front office is brought to you by Royal Farms, home of the world's freshest coffee on the planet. Royal Farms is now featuring any size coffee and a Royal Farms brand bakery item for just $3. Royal Farms, real fresh, real fast. So to those rumors, the first one I want to get to one that I saw coming out of a, a Philadelphia Eagles website called Philadelphia Eagles Central. And they called it a mock trade, Brian. And the, in the trade, the Eagles and Ravens would swap places in the first round. The Eagles own the 22nd overall pick, while the Ravens own the 30th overall pick. And in addition to that, the Ravens would get a 2025 sixth round pick. The wild card in this trade is Marlon Humphrey. So essentially, the Ravens get a 2025 sixth rounder and they move up eight spots in the draft and they give up Marlon Humphrey. And this is because people expect Marlon or some people expect Marlon to get cut because he had an off year and he represents some cap savings. So your thoughts on, on, on that trade, the likelihood of it happening, and if it happened, what kind of cap savings would the Ravens realize? Yeah, it's not happening. Um, it's 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 rather ludicrous on its face, and then when you think about the cap cap implication, cap implications, it's even more ludicrous. So, um, it, it, using the you know the the Jimmy Johnson um, met, uh, chart, that uh, that that jump is equal to a mid third round pick. So that's and I know they included a sixth in there, but really, what does that matter? So. Um, is Marlin worth more than a third round pick? Um, and, and I would say you probably couldn't trade, you know, I mean, because he's coming off of injury, maybe not, but I think he's worth more than that in, in actual value, if you want to think about it. But um, then your Ravens are, do, you're without a cornerback on a team that doesn't have a whole lot of corners. And uh, assuming that is done before June one, because you can't, you can't backdate 
trades like you can with releases. There is Marlins counts uh, about 22.9, a little under 22.9 on the cap if he's here. If he's not here, he counts almost 24. So you're actually losing money. And so we would have 24 million in dead money and no Marlin. Um, and you've picked, you've essentially picked up one, one player because you're only jumping up your first round. You're only jumping up a couple spaces. So that's a wash as far as the, the player and you're getting a six round pick who may or may not make your team. Um, yeah, there's no way I don't, you know, people, you know, these kinds of things out there, clearly they're not thinking about the cap implications of it. Um, plus you're moving up in the draft, which means that first round pick is going to cost you more as well. So from a cap perspective, it's, I mean, anything happening with Marlon, I would be shocked um, just because from a cap perspective, even a post June one release, um, you're looking at, you're saving 11 million this year, but you're, you're pushing seven in the next year. Uh, um, he's not a guy that you can, I, I, I don't believe you can ask for a pay cut um, because he's, he had a down year this year injuries, but he's not like Stanley who's coming off, essentially three years of injuries. Um, and Marlon played pretty decently in 2022. So, I, you know, you got to be able to threaten a guy to release him with, with you're going to release him. And Marlon's a guy that could go out there and he's, he's due about 50, a little less than 15 million in cash or no, he's, a, he's only due about 11 or 12 million in cash. There's no doubt that he would get that in a first, in a first year cash number, he'd probably get a three-year deal or something like that. But he'd get 11 million in that first in that first year. So, you know, threatening with release, he'd be like, okay, is it he and his agent? Go ahead, you know. Um, so I don't see I don't see anything happening with that. But that the trade compensation is ludicrous to start with, um, and then obviously the cap implications make it a, a real a real no go. It's just interesting how fans can turn on a player so quickly. And forget oh, no. the player yeah, yeah. capable of doing when healthy. And, you know, Marlon is a guy who, you know, if you're out there doing training camp, he's out there working all the time. He, he doesn't take days off. He's a guy that is a grinder. And for him not to play, there was a real injury. It wasn't just him, you know, uh, calling it in and, and just saying, no, I'm not. I'm not 100%. He wasn't pulling a Tyus Bowser, let's put it that way. Right. Well, and yeah, and you think about it. I mean, if if you release him, you've got, you know, who are your corners left? Yeah. Brandon and Stevens. You know, we, we've talked about this off air. You know, the, the ideal solution, and, and I think you agree with me in my mind, is, you know, you bring back Darby, who played really well for the Ravens. That was, that was a great value signing. And Brandon Stevens has developed. Keep those guys on the perimeter. And Marlon's most productive season where he was a the better playmaker, in my estimation, was when he played in the slot. You don't have Austin Millette coming or, or uh, Arthur Millette. Arthur. You don't have him coming back or he's not under contract right now. So Marlon can slide in there and, and do what he does best. So uh, I don't know. I just think Marlon Humphrey is really, really undervalued right now by fans. And, and I think that he's going to uh, make everybody stand up and take notice in 2024. Yeah, and I mean to add to add to that, if assuming Geno Stone signs elsewhere, then that that seemingly means that Kyle Hamilton's going to play more safety than the hybrid role he's played, uh, and unless they unless they get another safety along the line, but uh, to re to replace Stone, who can step right in, so you know that, and he played a lot of slot type, you know, and a lot of it was slot, so you know you're going to need. Uh, somebody there as well. So I, yeah, I just, um, and again, you know, what else do they have? I mean, unfortunately, you know, they got Pepe Williams and Armour Davis, who uh, speaking of not being, not being able to be healthy, you know, those two guys now, maybe one of them, you know, maybe one of them, you know, turns into the, this year's Brandon Stevens, that would be great, but you can't count on that. So then you're, you know, you're basically down to one, one corner period. Right. It's that's a tough situation. And it's a way we, we just wanted to undermine these rumors that get floated about the Internet. And, and that's one of them with Marlon, Marlon Humphrey being traded for such a package and, and its implications on the cap. I want to talk about the running back situation and the free agent running backs. that look like they're going to hit the market. Guys like Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, 
and Austin Eckler, you know, guys like that. The Ravens have admitted, admitted yesterday that they, they're in the market for running backs. And we've seen in the past that John Harbaugh doesn't like to hand the rock to an unproven running back. You know, even Ray Rice, when he was drafted, didn't see the field right away. And, 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 and even J.K. Dobbins wasn't the guy right away when he, he was a rookie. So it's, it's Harbaugh's M.O. not to want to allow a bell cow to be a young player unless it was, you know, a first-round guy. I don't think the Ravens are going to do that. So w- with those four guys in mind, Eckler, Jacobs, Barkley, and Henry, a lot of the rumor emphasis has been on Derrick Henry, and that has a lot to do with, I'm sure, the rumored trade last October 31st that almost made him a Raven. Uh, which of those guys would be, in your opinion, the most affordable and the, the better fit for the Ravens? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, and this will be interesting, because obviously the the um, running back value has been, um, you know, has actually gone down. I guess it, you know, it's not even static; it, it's it's really gone down. So now the cap just went up substantially. So does that help these running backs out? Um, but the market is flush, and you know, so that's so we went up and yum yin yanging you with with answer here, but. And then we add to that this draft is not very good, you know, allegedly with running back. So that that's in their favor. The cap going up and is in their favor. But there's a lot of them on the market. And, you know, and, you know, the market over the last couple of years has been awfully soft. So, um, you know, if if, if money wasn't a, an option uh, or a consideration, I would say that Barkley's probably the best fit. Um, though his, his yards per carry was down last year and that might be the Giants offense more than anything. Um, but I think he's probably, he and Jacobs are probably going to be the, the, the top two to get the biggest deals. Um, so, um, um, so that's, so that's that. Um, and so I, I think it, it just, I think it gets back to Henry because he's a little older. Um, he keeps himself in great shape, granted, but, um, you know, but I think he's probably the more price, um, and obviously somebody they, they, they went after and it's kind of always been rumored of, you know, can you imagine Derrick Henry in the Ravens offense? Now that wasn't the team necessarily saying that, but, um, so I think he's from, I think he's probably more likely now. I really have no idea where these numbers will come in. There was one report. I think it was was Jeremy Fowler um, who said that that the Ravens were looking into uh, running backs, but if it got over to if it was over ten million a year, uh, close to it, they were they weren't going to be involved. Um, so you know Henry, if you get Henry for two years, eight million a year, and you know you structure it to make it a little you know kinder on the cap for the first year. Or you, or you add three years just to, you know, to spread that out and don't use void years. So figure to get two years out of the three. Um, I could, I, you know, I, I, I'm still a little skeptical that they're going to go out on the market because they, you know, they paid their own uh, running backs uh, in the past. Um, Ray Rice, um, Willis McGahee, when they went and got him in the trade from Buffalo and of course, Jamal going back. Um, but they more recently, I mean, you know, they've, uh, you know, Gus Edwards was undrafted. Keith Mitchell was undrafted. Uh, you know, they've they've certainly, you know, um, Hill's a third round or fourth round pick, I think, if I remember correctly. And obviously Dobbins was a second round pick. But, um, you know, so they've, they've certainly been able to go find guys. Now, maybe they won't, you know, didn't play them immediately, as you said, but they've been able to find guys, uh, you know, whether, you know, is a Dalvin Cook a guy that they could bring back on the cheap and see how that goes. And, you know, and sounds like, again, sounds like they might still be talking to Gus if they bring Gus back and then draft a guy. Now, again, the draft isn't that great apparently, but they draft a guy in the fourth round or so, Um, you know, is that enough? I mean, Lamar makes it a lot easier on running backs for sure. And of course that's kind of one of the allures of, could you imagine if it's a stud back there? Um, which we all hoped that would be J.K. Dobbins. And unfortunately, he and Lamar just <laughs> haven't had much time together. Right. And those the pessimists amongst us would say, why worry about a running back? We only hand the ball off the running back six times in the AFC championship. Right. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So I, I want to address one more rumor, and I know you feel pretty strongly about this one uh, before we wrap it up, and that is the rumor that the Ravens, that a possible cap casualty for the Ravens is Marcus Williams. Because according to NFL rumors, he'll save the team $7 million in cap space with a June 1st designation. First of all, is, is that accurate? And second of all, is there any chance that be, that even happens? Um, no, I don't see that happening. I think he's more likely to be restructured, um, which you know makes him stay here probably next year as well. Um, but uh, he has five five million of his base salary is guaranteed already guaranteed. Uh, if I remember correctly, I don't think there's a trigger date. I think it's already guaranteed. Um, so um, that. So again, you're not going to pay him five million dollars to cut him, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, so he, yeah, so he's guaranteed. He's got a fully guaranteed five million dollars. There's twenty five million in dead money um, that would hit the cap. Wow. So, um, so if they cut him pre June one, that would actually cost him almost six and a half more than he costs now. Um, if they cut him post June one, it would save seven million. Because he does have a twelve million dollars salary, so it's not saving the whole twelve million dollars salary because five of it's fully guaranteed. But that would mean eleven million in dead money this year, and um, and then you know we'll get fourteen million next year. Um, yeah, close to fourteen million next year. So that's not happening. Um, he's not taking a pay cut either, like has been suggested by some. Because again. You can't get a. You, I mean, he's not going to just say sure. <laughs> he's going to say, you know, force me. You know, you can't force me because there's no way they can cut him. There's really no way they can trade him either because most of those numbers still apply. The five million fully guaranteed. If they traded him, wouldn't wouldn't apply. But I'm not sure teams are going to pick his his deal up at this point, coming off of two injury, you know, in injury filled years. I mean, let's face it, you know. When he'd never been hurt before he got here, and I know you're kind of crossing our fingers at this point, but he's 28, so he's plenty young for a safety. Um, and if you remember back to the beginning of last year, before he got hurt last year, he played great, um, and he looked exactly like the you know the center fielder we haven't had since Ed Reed. He was all over the place. His anticipation was something we had not seen from the safety again since Ed. Um, so you know we just have to cross our fingers and hope that the injuries are behind him and we see that player again. But again, at 28, he shouldn't have lost a step yet. And, you know, they have him for three more this year and two more years. So um, I think he's more likely to be here those three years than he is to be cut this year. It's never boring, is it, Brian? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so, well, that's it, folks, for the front office today. Brian and I will be back again at it again on Wednesday of next week. And then we'll be joined by former Seahawks GM Randy Mueller. We'll discuss how all the changes to the Ravens front office and the coaching staff will affect the team in the 2024 season. This coming from a guy who's experienced such things before. So stay tuned for that one. So thanks to all who listen. Special thanks to Royal Farms, without whom this podcast is impossible. Royal Farms, real fresh, real fast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>